tyranny. It's as American as beer and baseball. This is the America Beer, Baseball, Tyranny podcast with your hosts, Joshua Sopko and Aaron Bloomer. Here we are, Josh. Yes. We're both uh, healthy. <laughs> Very healthy. We're both alive, coronavirus free <laughs> that we know of since there are no tests or in the, not testing. And in the incubation period is 14 days or something. It's crazy. I don't know, man. I don't I'm know. down to three rolls of toilet paper <laughs> and a six pack of Corona. Ron is protecting the toilet paper with all of his... Mighty freedoms. There you go. <laughs> there it is. All right, man. We had to do we it. We had to do a play. We had on to the do the corona. corona. Awesome. There you go. I don't know how if we'll need to rate this, but I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had a corona. But and I noticed at the store they had all different kinds. They've got Corona Light and Corona Premium. Premier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, maybe premium or premier. I don't know. Either way. Uh interesting. So just the good old Corona Extra. <laughs> so I wonder if they have a Corona non-extra then too. Right. <laughs> this is just the regular. Right. So I've I really didn't want to talk about the coronavirus. I didn't either. I was hoping that it would go away. I think a lot of people are talking about the coronavirus because it's cheap clicks and cheap views. And oh. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to sink to that level. Right. But here we are. No, just kidding. Uh, but I think we have an interesting topic because um, it kind of stemmed from conversations that people have reached out to you on Facebook. Yeah, I've been tagged, messaged. I've had phone calls. I was on the phone all night last night with people. Like, Really? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild time because the conversation that everybody has, and you can't go through Facebook, and like I get a tag every couple of hours in some post and, and someone tag me and say, see Joshua, this is, this is why we need government. You know, like you can have your libertarian state, but when it comes to pandemics, we need government. It's like, oh, I don't think we do. My favorite is, is this one that you sent is in all your anti-government talk, Josh, I haven't seen much from you about the stuff the government yeah. is doing. Yeah. I guess it must mean they have a place in society right now. <laughs> Uh-huh. which that's why we're here to talk Yeah, because I think that's an interesting conversation. It is. We're in a pandemic, whether mm-hmm. you think it is or not, the government, the WHO, the whoever has deemed this a pandemic. Here we are. We're, I think it's relevant. We're recording on March 18th. Yeah. This will come out the next Tuesday. So things could probably are going to probably change quite a bit. Right. School has been canceled. They're requiring or not requiring, but recommending to not be in groups above 10 people. Their social distancing is now a a term. Flatten the the curve, social distancing. Yep. Those are commonplace terms Um, now. So our kids aren't going to school. My kids are are in public school. They've been home this week. Well, my one kid. Uh, They're going to daycare, though. I don't know why. I have this gut feeling that I need to keep them home next week. Right. So I'm keeping them home next week. So the nice. week this episode comes out, my kids will be home. I'll be able to work from home. I'm lucky enough to have that freedom uh, that I can work from home and not have any uh, lapse there. So there's a lot of things going on. It's, there's a lot of things the government is doing. Um, and obviously, Josh, 
in times like these, we need the government. Clearly, the government has screwed the pooch on pretty much everything that they've tried to do. Wait a minute now. <laughs> Wait a minute now. So, but, but I got to preface this conversation that there is no place for a little bit of government in this conversation. Like I'm, I need, We need to take it to the extreme of true libertarianism. And true minarchistic or even uh, and capitalist, you know, anarcho-capitalist style societies, because if you give government an inch, they'll take a mile, especially in the context of a pandemic, because everybody freaks out like we see now and everybody. And I shouldn't say they're freaking out because it's not warranted. That's not what I'm trying to say, because I'll get fucking crucified if I say that this isn't a real threat. This is a real threat, guys. <laughs> but 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 the point is that. Uh, you, you know, uh, earlier today I had a conversation with someone on Facebook and, you know, they, the same conversation I was saying, see, here's a, here's a place why we need government. And I said, well, you know, if you look at all the issues that are arising with, you know, lack of hospital beds, lack of training, lack of um, medical equipment, lack of testing is obviously the big one right now. We're not reporting where, you know, uh, mm. yada, yada. I said, that's a good reason as to all the things that government has screwed up. And the response was, and this is what I've seen all day long. No, it's not. It's not against central government like you're saying it's against this administration mm. so they just put it on trump and it's like i don't really care how much you love hillary clinton or joe biden or bernie Sanders, anybody on the other obama. side or, or or obama nobody is going to handle it good enough you know they just they can't do it perfectly you can't have one centralized administration create good enough rules for 320 million people in a in a in, in the type of society that we live in in what we call America. China can do it, but we don't want a government like China. Some do. Some do. And to them, I, I don't know how to respond to you because that's not the world that we live in or the world that we were founded on. So I I don't know. So what do we, what do we do then? So, okay. I think, so we need, so we need to postulate the, uh, the idea and conceptualize this, form of thinking that you know this is why we need government and i can say no this is how a libertarian how an anarcho capitalist society deals with pandemics and crisis and healthcare crises without a centralized government without a centralized authority you know mandating quarantines and doing all this other stuff so that's what i want to lay out okay, the so groundwork of how that works but i had to preface that yeah. We can't have a little bit of government to make this. So should we talk about how the government is, quote unquote, helping now and then how that would happen without the government? I don't think the government's really helping at all. Okay, (laughs) well, let me let me let me pause it. Let me say this then. Um, Right now, the one main source for information that. For whatever reason, good or bad, that everyone's looking to is the CDC, right? So there are definitely, when you look at pros and cons of the CDC throughout history, and the, there there are some goods in there, and there are bads. But right now, the CDC is like the place to go for information. If you want the most accurate, up-to-date, current, relevant information, the CDC has it. Everything we're basing life on now seems to come from the CDC. So without the CDC, because the CDC is a government agency... How do we know what to do or how do we know how how do we function without something like a CDC? So the CDC, as much as they know, they don't know much. 
Like, like, I mean, I mean, realistically, because we as scientists just don't know much. So everything sure. is funneled through this one bottleneck of government efficiency, uh, efficiency and regulation. If they make one wrong move, they are crucified. They're done for. Right. Or we just honor and just say, yeah, CDC said so. So it must be true. Government said so. So it must be true. They can't make one false statement or one false move. In that kind, of, and it seems, seems strange to me that we would put all our eggs into that government basket. I mean, really, why can't we have three or four or five or six or seven places that we're relying for, mm. relying on? They're all doing their part to come up with their own uh, research, and they're independently testing and doing stuff and saying, "Hey, here's what we found." They're sharing research with other people, and they're you know going across borders. We can you know kind of compile that together as individuals and small ind- communities and say, "How do we want to assess this information that we've gotten based on you know who has the best track record of researching and testing these type of things, and who do you know how do we assess that?" that information and we make decisions as small groups as to how we want to manage this Mm -hmm. because it seems to me that the CDC has never done a good job at much of anything in terms of relaying information and being accurate about it uh, in the long term. It just, why would we like, is, is the CD, is this the one time where we can trust the CDC now to, to be accurate and uh, you know, making decisions for 320 million people appropriately without ever making a mistake. Yeah. And, the, and if they make a mistake, what accountability level do they have? I mean, they're an unelected, unaccountable. zero accountability. Exactly. And so, but now, but because they're the, the director, you know what I mean? Like you have a appointed. Guy. True. Right. And then also, <laughs> how does the surgeon general fit into that? Are they, they're not part of this. You know what? First of all, honestly, I'll be, maybe this makes me look like an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know that the surgeon general is like a military position. Right. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, I, he was on TV the other day. I just assumed he was, like, this old white guy. It was this young black guy <laughs> in his general uniform. I was like, well, that's, that's not what I would have pictured. That's not what I thought. But right. it was interesting. That's Maybe I'm an idiot. but Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think we have some of that as it is. I mean, I think around here, uh, the Mayo Clinic is a big uh source of information right um i think there's a cleveland clinic which is also a very large healthcare organization when it got on the east and west coast you get different things um i mean i think that's it's interesting but isn't it nice to have it in one spot if you i mean if that one spot is trustworthy and reliable to every level and degree and has no opportunities to make mistakes like yeah, it's nice. But don't you think to the in the defense of the CDC that's impossible? Exactly, which right? is why why we shouldn't be relying on that because it is impossible. If they make one wrong recommendation, you know, say, and I'm not saying that this is what's going on, but say they did blow this up and they cause economic turmoil and this ends up being nothing. We know now like this is nothing, but what if they were wrong 2-3 weeks ago? And, you know, they made all the stuff that, uh, you know, all these recommendations, stuff that caused such dramatic uh, economic turmoil. And it turns out that it was nothing. Where's the accountability level held there? We put all our eggs into the CDC's basket and they screwed up. Then what do we do? And I'm not saying that's what they did or, you know. Right, right. So then on the flip side, then, if we have a handful of people who are saying, presenting different information or their interpretation of the facts that they have, the facts that are available, then are we holding those people accountable? Yeah, because we're either going to buy their information or we're not. In a a free market society. But we're not buying it. 
in in a in, free market society, we would be. It would it would be all companies that are trying to produce the best information possible for people to consume, and that information is valuable. Right, but I'm not. We're not in the traditional sense, but purchasing it with our money, information. Well, in a, I mean, yeah, like it. It all depends on how the society works, right? So, so here, here's what I want to lay out is, is in a complete anarcho-capitalist society, um, free people, there's no, there's no government, there's no state at all to deal with a pandemic. Uh, how would they handle like self-quarantine? How would they handle, uh, you know, regulatory responses to mm-hmm. this, to, you know, flatten the curve and social distancing and, you know, stop the spread? All of the things that the CDC are recommending, uh, which, which for clarification, I think are all good measures. It seems to me at this point, all of those recommendations seem valid uh, and they are good responses. So to that credit, the, CB, the CDC is potentially correct in that in that regard, right? But also, they didn't make them up, right? They're These, just following what other countries have done. The NIH and they're going of, off their experts and you right, know their right, right. their things. So you know, I'm not saying that that what they're suggesting is necessarily bad, but I'm saying that those things that are being suggested would happen without them. How? It's, <laughs> Because people are self-interested and people want to protect themselves and protect their property. So the whole basis of a anti-state pandemic argument boils down to one really simple principle, which is private property. I own the building, I own the land, and I can control who comes and goes out of that. Mm -hmm. So I say, look, you're not going to come in here because there's a potential threat of a disease out there. And I want to make sure you're not at risk to me and the people that are on my property. Because I have a responsibility to the people on my property to protect them. That's the contract that, you know, if I'm an HOA president or something like that, uh, and this is or an know, airline or, or an airline, like is, an is airline a, it, yeah. or a hotel chain or There's whatever. That. Li- yeah. I mean, whatever it is. And currently they couldn't stop someone even if they wanted. Like that would be against the law to say, hold on, you can't come in until we've you know done these measures on you. That would be prejudice. That or even a be, local business. Exactly. On that level. I mean. Right. So the whole basis is private property. So. You know, then it becomes a question of, well, how do people get testing and like, you know, what what levels and measures? Well, long before a pandemic hits, all of these things will be naturally set up in place to protect these things. So they're going to say we're tracking people, you know, or or people will voluntarily get tested for, you know, diseases and they'll have this ID card that they can show to business. I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of ways that the free market would solve this problem on their own in order to do this naturally where people say, um, look, you have to be vetted by so-and-so company because that's our provider that helps us protect our people. They're smarter than we are. They know how to protect against viruses. They've suggested that nobody enters our building without having these, you know, going through these five protocols first. Until you've done that, you can't come into our space. Boom. Like everything just expands. And then and now you've got companies competing in there. And then you start looking at track records and say, wow, this company, they've never had a uh, you know, people that employ them to be their, you know, private security, almost their layer of pandemic protection. They've never had a issue with any of their people. So now those people are winning and all these other companies are like, well, yeah, they hired so-and-so. And uh, it turns out that they let someone slip through because their protocols, their measures, their security, whatever, their SOPs were not strong enough. And someone was sick, got into their building because they failed the test or whatever, and nobody knew about it. So now people aren't going to hire them. So we see this competition market level free economic thing happen in an anti-state world. And there's no reason why the state wouldn't exist. So, okay, going back to 
the theoretical situation of you have to have X tests to hop on my airplane or book a room in my hotel mm-hmm. or whatever that may be. Um, the COVID-19 tests, I don't know, didn't exist right away. They were created, but now they're in short supply. So how does that happen? Well, they're in short supply because government cut the arms off of everybody that wanted to make it in the first place. There are more than enough tests to go around worldwide, and there are more than enough manufacturing capabilities to go around worldwide. The problem that we see is that we have, and this is what I kind of laugh about this. People say, oh, no, 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 this is a, this is a reflection of this administration. No, the reason that we don't have tests is because the FDA has regulations on who can make these tests and how they can make their tests. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's the red tape, basically. That's all it is. You have to file uh, your, your business, your company, your lab, you have to file for a status with the FDA, which can take a couple weeks, and then you have to be vetted, then you have to be processed, you have to do all these things that are just numbers on paper before you even get to an, exp- an inspection standpoint. It's called like an EOD or something like that, EDO, something like that. Um, and it can take months mm-hmm. for this to happen. So when the pandemic hit, there were only like, I think, two companies in the United States that had that level of uh, authority from the FDA already. And they're just like, well, we can't keep up with manufacturing and the capability and, to and the capability that. to do this. And, sure. you know, now you've got patents on other types of tests too, which we're not going to get into patent law, but that just destroys the capability of anybody else to make a test in that regard. They have to come up with new inventive ways that doesn't break the patent because now we've just self-regulated and self-monopolized the entire industry to, <laughs> to uh, not be able to produce tests. And that's why we're way behind on this curve is simply because of FDA regulations for the ability to make tests. That's not a Trump thing. That's that's a you know Trump didn't write the regulations. Yeah, those regulations have existed for decades. In a free market society, people would say, "Huh, we need a test. Let's figure out how to make a test." They'd make one and they'd produce it because there'd be a market for it. And the second, even when something like this is brand new, absolutely, it's more incentivized to so you're, do that. So you're saying that. This so the COVID nineteen has never been seen before, right? Right. It's been seen in China. Once it's once it's seen in China and it spreads across the world, gets to the United States. By that time, there's enough incentive to for companies to make tests, distribute these tests at a cost effective price. They would do it at whatever price the market bears. And because there's more competitors and, 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 you know, and the common response to that is, oh, so you get one company that makes them and then, you know, they're going to sell them for, you know, three million dollars a test or whatever and just own the, the market. Well, as soon as that happens, the company B comes in and is like, oh, well, we can make a test and we can charge it for two million. Then you get company C, B, D, you know, all the way down the line. And pretty soon you're selling these things for pennies on the dollar because it's literally a race to the bottom right. the second you figure that out. And this is where patent laws come in because people say, oh, I got a patent on this test. So you can't make anything just like it. And then that just harm, and then they can charge whatever they yeah. want for it because nobody else can make that test. Because when there's two companies, those two CEOs just call each other up and say, hey, Bill, hey, Bob. Yep, they, they they sit around in the shower and pat each other on the back and sit around in the shower. I mean, they're is that how that happens? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. It's it's crazy, but in a free, a truly free market, unregulated society, you know, go back to the example that we've got. Um, you know, private property owners are saying, I don't know the best practices to protect my my property from you know potential disease. So we're going to hire companies that are really really good at doing this. And they're going to be incentivized to say, well, there's a new thing out there. We want to make sure that we're providing for our customers 
um, to have a test. Otherwise, we're going to lose them as a customer. And, you know, uh, private owner Bob is going to go to company C, who, who got the test out furthest, you know, earliest, or company D, who sells it for cheaper. Mm. You know, I mean, there's tons and tons of ways that this can all happen just, just based solely on the principles of private property. So how do I know how to protect my private property? If I'm not a doctor, you hire companies that that know how to do that for you. But right now I don't have to hire that person. And when everybody else is looking down the road and planning and preparing, they're saying, look, I don't know how to best do this. And you end up with competition if you own a hotel chain and you have a stamp on your thing and says, I'm protected um, by company A because they're the best ones in the industry. People are going to start gravitating toward that hotel chain because that 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 stamp on there has value to people versus, you know, company C. It's like, yeah, we don't really care about that. Yeah. And then when a pandemic hits, nobody's going to go to company C or, you know, hotel chain C because they're like, we have no idea who's being let in their buildings and who's not. Yeah, I think this is. This is just my thoughts, potentially, that um, the issue is not for things like the flu or things like the common cold or or things like that. I think that the, the topic that's come up obviously recently is this pandemic where no one saw it coming. Everybody's freaked out, but nobody knows why. <laughs> and so we as human nature turn toward the leader, the leader of the pack. Yeah. Right. Um, and right now for right or wrong, that's the government. Right. So if we don't have that government, the worst case scenario is that private companies pull this information together, but still disseminate incorrect or false information whether it's on purpose or not why would it be not on purpose though false information not on purpose that wouldn't because the best interest there's because there's no again the word regulation but there's no one saying "Whoa, whoa, whoa whoa how you're testing how you're pulling in this information how you are the quality of your test whether it's a test or your your vaccine or your medicine or, or whatever it is, there's no one going and saying it has to meet these standards. Well, absolutely people are going to do that. Be, but, but it could be, what if it's too late though? Like what if there's, what if there, well, this is my devil's advocate. What happens if there are these companies who rush to market because there's no regulation and they they charge people thousands of dollars and it doesn't work or there's it works but there's more adverse effect effects than if they would have taken another week or had some regulation body saying hey ho ho pump the brakes yeah it's gonna be really bad for business and those companies aren't gonna exist anymore because there's no government to bail them out (laughs) right like and and you start looking at track records too over time. You say, "Wow, Company A has been doing this for forty years, and they've never had a misstep." Yeah, I guess the maybe this is maybe this is it is that to go from where we are today to that society tomorrow. Oh, not possible. Not possible. But also, too, you're going to have to. People are going to have to f up 
screw up. Yeah, we're things gonna, are we're gonna, gonna, gonna have to learn along the way. Yep, type of absolutely. Thing. And 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 when you look at company and say, wow, you know, they've never had a misstep. Uh, we start modeling our businesses off there and say, well, what are they doing? Well, uh, before they launch something, they have 50 peer reviewed articles about, you know, how they're testing. And then, you know, they've went to other third party lab tests to get their stuff tested so that when they come to market, they say, you can trust us. We're valuable because we did self-regulated um, uh, you know, we, we self-regulated our processes to make sure that we produce something that was safe to you. And you know what? If it doesn't work, you can sue us now because we've yeah. caused you harm. True. That, I mean, that the, part actually is, I think, the bigger piece. There, you know, there's, there's accountability. Accountability. There's tons and tons and tons of ways that the free market can solve it. And, and yes, I, I'm not saying that we can go to this tomorrow. Like, yeah. uh, this is purely theoretical, but it's to respond to the question of people saying, well, this could not, ex we couldn't exist in a world without government in, where, in, a, in a world where we have pandemics. And I say, that's just not true. And look, I just laid out the entire, you know, in, in 20 minutes, it would take hours to really like lay this out in, in terms that people could conceptualize. But if you understand the process of private property and really kind of figure out how that works on a massive scale, it's totally plausible and totally doable. Also, one thing too, I think, correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm off base, but without the government, we would have potentially better foreign way relations better. way better so instead of just saying look at those idiot chinese they <laughs> had this disease they ate this bad or whatever it is maybe we like collaborate with them yeah for sure and then we have a we have a test before it gets to the united states instead of well we're gonna have to wait till it gets to the united states soil before we're able to like learn or anything about it because we don't collaborate with these other countries right which which goes back to the point of what we see now the issues that we have now we have a healthcare, a pending healthcare crisis doom and gloom when it comes to our ability to treat this thing on a massive scale Right. Like a lot of people are going to need hospitalization and, and respiratory needs. And why don't we have enough beds for them? A lot of that stems because the our our healthcare system is so heavily regulated. Yeah. Hospitals can't operate the way that they want to operate. Yeah. I think it's worth saying or pointing out this too. And this kind of just came to me a little bit, but there's such divide in our political system as it is. Right. We have the people, and honestly, like, like Trump came out and said that this is a hoax. Right. <laughs> right? He said, this is the Dems trying to make me look bad. This is China being China. This is that. He 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 dismissed it. Yeah. Which I think we can all say was a bad thing to do. Yeah. And, and so then now you have almost 50% of the United States, if not more, give or take, who are like, I don't trust a word that comes out of that guy's mouth. Yeah. Not even just because of how he's acted on the pandemic level, but everything before. Right. If you are even a Trump fan and you and you say he's not a liar, you're just wrong. Like you're just <laughs> wrong. Like it's it's just proven, right? And I'm not and and I want to get into that piece of it, but like that's just another level of with all the government, we don't have this supreme being acting like an asshole pissing off half of the country and 80% of the world. Right. And then now when he actually decides to like take it seriously, people are like, oh, he's actually acting presidentially for the first time ever, but he set the bar so flipping low. Yep. We're just okay with him not saying crooked Hillary for five minutes. <laughs> or it's like, oh yeah, he's actually doing a great job. But without that whole system. Yeah. 
we wouldn't have this confusion and, and this divide. And that makes a really solid point as to why having the central authority is bad right now because we politicize the information. The CDC was was trying True. to put out good information, and we're going, well, this is Trump's CDC, so exactly. we're not going to believe that. You know? Half of the country says, bull, baloney, this is crap. And, and, and to be honest, I fell in that camp right away. Like, this is probably no big deal. And now the more that I've learned about it, the more I've tried to internalize the information a little bit more. It's like, this, this kind of is a bit, I mean, not, not even just, you know, the economic level is, mm. in my opinion, probably even more severe at this point than, than, than the pandemic itself. But even just looking at the numbers of the amount of people that are needing to be hospitalized and based on the lack of reporting that we're doing and, you know, looking at the numbers from other countries and what our physical capacity is, like, we're kind of screwed at this point. And that's pretty scary in that context. And we could have mitigated a lot of that on the front side by simply just doing our part, like, you know, the social distance on us and just, and just trying to adhere to the information that was given to us versus politicizing it. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's, it's just wild. I can't make sense of most of it. Yeah. What do you, this is a little bit of a curveball cause we didn't talk about this before, but we've talked about this. We didn't talk about it before this episode. But we talked about it previously on the libertarian memes out there saying, is anybody else pissed off? that these local governments are uh, going against my right to assemble. <laughs> and then everybody Which, like underneath that are like, chill, bro. Yeah. Like, just like, we get it, but like, just relax. Right. You know, <laughs> but what about the government's closing private businesses? Yeah. It's, it's crazy, right? It, it is absolutely crazy. And it goes back to uh, the ANCAP society that I mentioned and, and, you know, people's right to assemble Well, on private property. You don't get that right. You can't go onto somebody's property and and assemble with them if they don't want you there. You don't you don't you know this right to walk around doesn't exist in a private property world where all property is private. Yeah, you don't get the right to walk around unless it's on your own pro private property. And in that context, like who gives a shit, right? Like it's an interesting. It's a topic for another day for sure, but just about that and who, if you can allow people on your property and things like that, but in an ANCAP society, absolutely. Libertarian society, like you have the freedom to associate with whom you want and government doesn't have a say in that. Cause right now government has a say in who you can, and can't associate with. They can, they they're, they're limiting and restricting that. Yeah. Uh, we touched on it a little bit, but, uh, we're looking at another bailout. A lot of bailouts. We've already <laughs> so many bailouts that I can't keep my head above water and try to even like conceptualize any of it. And at this point, it is it is the to me the largest doom and gloom even outside of the health crisis of the actual disease itself. So let me let me touch on a few things of what the bailout is looking like. So Trump administration is discussing a stimulus package of around one trillion dollars to aid the airline industry, small businesses and individuals. The eight billion dollar uh, of emergency funding already approved is seen as far too small. Cash handouts are getting support within Congress, even with the Republicans uh, Mitt Romney proposing a thousand dollar check for every adult. Mitt Romney with UBI. Okay. Treasury <laughs> yeah. Treasury is deferring tax payments. I get that. I mean, that's okay. Whatever. The airline industry is request request I can't talk. Requesting fifty billion dollars 
for U.S. carriers in the form of grants and loans. The SBA, or Small Business Administration, grants are under consideration. Uh, the Federal Reserve slash rates to near zero and is buying $500 billion in treasuries at at least and at least $200 billion agency-backed mortgage securities. <laughs> uh Let's see. Hotel industry and suppliers are seeking $250 billion bailout no package. Uh, the New York Metropolitan Transportation Authority has asked for a federal bailout. A, a, a city has asked for $4 billion from the federal government because of the, the virus. Um, so TARP, you remember TARP back in 08? The Great Recession in 08? That was $700 million. We're looking towards a little bit more than that. That was $700 million. Mm-hmm. That was for the auto manufacturers? Uh, I believe the TARP was like the uh, paying out to the individuals. Like everybody oh, okay. got that check for 650 bucks oh, or whatever it was. It did nothing. It did nothing, right? Yeah. So that's why they're saying, well, $700 million did nothing. Well, crank her up. <laughs> crank it up. Let's turn the juice up. So then President Trump goes out and says, we're here. And I did a lot of research on the airlines today. Um, Dude. Because he said, we're going to back the airlines 100%. Uh, but the Treasury Secretary, Steve Munchen, or however you say his name, uh, said that the assistance wouldn't be a bailout, Josh, if you're providing liquidity to good businesses that just need liquidity for three to four months, three to six months, then you're where you're taking collateral. It's not a bailout. So, so now the government owns the all of the freaking airlines. That's, that's, oh, okay. that's cool. That's a great idea. We should definitely do that. So then the five biggest U.S. carriers, though, spent 96% of their free cash flow over the past decade on stock buybacks. <laughs> so you and I, Josh, as adults, they're telling us you, you need to have a savings account. You need to have emergency savings fund right. that will take three months. You know, if, if you lose your job and you don't have a job for three months, you got you to gotta have that in savings. Airlines, big businesses, <laughs> whatever. Government will bail you out. Auto ma- and manufacturers, whatever. They'll bail you out, right? Yeah. Is this crazy? It's a shit show. It's insane. Literally insane. And I don't understand quantitative easing. But from what I understand about it, it's just printing money out of thin air. Like all this injection of capital is literally just it's all inflationary. It all makes the value of our dollar worth nothing. It's injecting money in, directly into the economy from nothing, backed by nothing. And it is completely insane and exacerbates the problem. And I heard a really good analogy about what this looks like. A really uh, I can't think of his name popular economist laid out this idea and he said, look, he said, we're in a scenario. And this was back uh, before 2008 that he was kind of because he's talking about the pending bubble, you know, 12 years ago. And he said, look, we're in a scenario where we have this wine bottle full of wine. And he said, when it comes to economics, we have two uh, ways that we can handle this. We can dump, tip the bottle over on the table and let the wine and, and the wine dumping out represents pain. Right, how how painful it's gonna be. So we can dump it out, and the wine is gonna spill on the table slowly. So it's the slow bleeding process of our economic doom, right? Or we can smash the bottle over the table and get it over, and let the market just crash. And it's gonna be painful. It's gonna be awful. People are gonna lose their jobs. You know, it's gonna be this kind of dramatic scenario. But we'll see a quick market uh, uh, correction, and we'll figure out you know a new way to move forward. Well, instead, what the government does is when the bottle gets too full and it either needs to, you know, dump out or break, the government just gets a bigger bottle. <laughs> like we just keep getting a bigger and bigger bottle and we just keep extending the life of our pain. 
Right. Until eventually, like, you know, it gets worse and worse and worse. You imagine more and more wine means more and more pain. So now we're facing this right now as to are we going to get a bigger bottle? Like we're trying to we're scrambling to get a bigger bottle uh, versus just letting the bottle break. And like we just need to deal with the pain and let it collapse and figure the shit out. It's just delaying the inevitable. It's delaying the inevitable and it makes it worse. So. From what I understand about the his, the history of recessions and market downturns is every time the Federal Reserve does these things, they create these big, huge Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. It just makes the next recession a little bit worse. So, right. so you know, they, they slowly repair things. They get a bigger bottle, and we ultimately come out of it, and we go, well, you know, it sucked. Um, it was super hard, uh, and now it's better now. Like, the economy is great now because of, you know, inflationary crap and, you know, fiat money and injection of dollars and just all this stuff. Uh, and then the next one hits and then it's a little bit worse. And then they, you know, do more dramatic means, which is what we're seeing now. And yeah. it, it's, it's insane. I mean, I'm not an economist, but I don't grasp the benefit of just letting uh, American Airlines go out of business. Again, I, I think it goes back to the point of like crushing the bottle. It's going to hurt right yeah, away. Absolutely. But over time. Right. I don't know. I went, I went and did a bunch of research. I was, I mean, these are all publicly traded companies, these airlines and things like how many billions of dollars they made in revenue and things. But I came across this, this infographic from charter. So I get a daily email from this company called charter C H A R T R. And the headline is airlines razor thin margins at (laughs) at the best of times. Okay. So then they have this whole big chart of American airlines, they made $45.768 billion in revenue in 2019. Um, and then, you know, the chart breaks out their fuel costs, their wages, their other costs, which takes up all the costs, which seems like they'd be able to break that out. But then they get interest and then they get corporate taxes. Then they get this. They made a net profit of $1.68 billion, hmm. which is which at the point of this chart is it's a 3.7% margin. Okay. It's like a grocery store. But you still net profited $1.6 billion. I think that's like what a grocery store is. Yeah, it's not like a grocery store. Percentage wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Percentage wise. So what are you doing with the billions of dollars you're making? Well, you're obviously just reinvesting and I, I, I get that, but like, why, why you make a you net profit a billion dollars almost two billion dollars and you get to just ask for 50 billion dollars from the government and you can't weather a three month Exa- yes which which brings up this this kind of funny thing like I, I was listening to someone else talk about this too and they said you know what when when the airliners collapse and their their business models go down and people want to travel everybody's like oh we, you know we, we have to be able to travel right like the planes are still there. The airports are still there. There's still pilots. Right. I want to fly. And somebody says, I can buy a plane. Like, I'll pool some resources. I'll buy a plane. And I'll start hauling people around. Boom, you've got a new airline company. And then they're going to re-figure out all the regulations. And part of the reason why their regulation or their margins are so thin and why they can't make any money is due to government regulation. You have the centralized authority creating all these rules for them. And that's a whole other episode on how uh, we could fly planes without the FAA. Like we could we could have free movement of travel in the air without the FAA controlling and regulating every step of point of interaction that they do. Yeah. Also, to the top nine uh, airlines in the United States, their CEOs make a combined total of sixty one point seven million dollars a year. 
that's another just caveat. <laughs> but yeah. So with the bailouts and with all this, and we hear people getting infected. I think at the time of this, two hundred thousand people across the the world are infected with the coronavirus. I just want to put this out there. I'm not a doctor, but a hundred and three year old woman has been the oldest person to catch the coronavirus and beat it. Wow. Okay. So this lady is 103 years old. She lives in China, in Wuhan, China. She was in the hospital for six days. I'm going to get probably beat up for this, but (laughs) a 103-year-old woman in China beats the coronavirus by being in the hospital for a week. I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Oh, you're going to get crucified, man. For sure. Whatever. (laughs) I'm not ready to make that claim. Um, I probably was two or three days ago. uh, But the more statistics of just the general hospitalization and our lack of our lack of ability to care for people Mm -hmm. um, is going to be the death of everything. We have 2.8 beds per thousand people. uh, And if we get to a million cases, 14 percent, something like 14 percent of those are going to require hospitalization. Uh, for up to on average three to four weeks um, for each person, and this is this oh, is this not, lady got out in six days, right? I'm saying just on average, like we're just going off what Italy is experiencing right now and what we are currently experiencing with our socialized healthcare, with our with right, uh, with our current amount of people, you know, handful of people that are infected, like that's what we're seeing on just a really small scale. So, at a million cases, 140,000 of them are going to have to be in the hospital for potentially on average three to four weeks. So with that being said, and and we're not talking about just in the hospital, we're talking about like ICU units that mm, need respirators, respirators and yeah. quarantined care and, you know, kind of round the clock people checking in on them and intubations like all this. You know, it's not just sitting in a hospital bed. It's more it's a lot more than that. We currently in the United States have the capacity. I think I read um, like one hundred and fifty five thousand people that we can effectively service for that. Well, and the majority of these people are going to be on the coast, too. Right. Thank goodness we have the government, though, (laughs) because they're making this so much better. So at a million cases, which is a conservative estimate of what we're about to see when this thing peaks in the next three to five weeks. A million cases. A million cases. No, in the in the United States, we are we are bound to see a million cases. Hmm. Because there's been two hundred thousand worldwide worldwide and we're not we're going to see a million. And we're not doing any of the things like those other countries are doing. In, in terms of mitigating the spread. Kind of. The bigger com- bigger cities are. Yeah, right, right, right. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But a lot of them are saying it's too late. And I'm, I'm not saying I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that based on the things that I've read that of, of the people that I trust, like if, if that is all true, this is a big deal. And we have a major health crisis on our hands on top of the economic crisis. Which kind of going back to the economy too, we've tanked the stock market in a week and a half, two weeks time, and this it, could be going on for another three months. This could be going on for three months. We're we're looking at epic proportions of economic downturn to make two thousand eight just look like a blip on the map, like nothing. 
And in 2008, we experienced five to 7,000 suicides can be attributed solely to the financial burden of that period of time, which took a year. It took a year to fully conceptualize what the market, you know, before the market finally stopped bleeding and hemorrhaging. And we did, we did more damage so far in a week and a half than we did in a year of 2008. So even if we can mitigate the death toll, the body count for the virus, we're going to see an economic change over in ways that we can't predict or measure. Yeah. We don't know what that's going to be like. Yeah, but the stock market, too, while a lot of it is the coronavirus, it is a political year or an election year. Right. So there's a factor there. I say that knowing that that doesn't help anything, but it isn't all because of the coronavirus. Right. It's but, you know now that of, Bernie's out. A lot of the, is he out out? Mm-hmm. Oh damn! Uh, He's a out lot, today. A lot of the I didn't see that. Um, I just saw that our local mall closed. Did it? Yeah. Yep. So uh, we used to have a shop in the mall, so that was kind of a big interesting tidbit. Um, my brother texted me on my way over here, and this is just a side note, real quick, as we as we kind of wrap up. He texted me and said, when is when is Trump going to turn off the elections? Which is interesting because here in our local city in, in Sioux Falls, we have a counselor, a city counselor who is who is calling for the postponement of the city election in a month. Hmm. Steely. Steely wants to postpone her today or a text from someone today. About uh, oh, about Steely, is she from yeah, banking? Who you voting for? No, who are you voting for? Who do you prefer, Steely or the other lady or the other guy? The other guy. Anyway, yeah. uh, so and, anyway, so I was kind of uh, asking some people about it, and they're like, "Yeah, like they can't postpone it. Like it's not legal. You need to actually change state law to do that." And it's like, well, the governor could invoke emergency powers and could maintain that. And I don't know what our state constitution says about that specifically, but I know our federal constitution, uh, well, not our federal constitution, but um, our federal mandates has that emergency power that the president of the United States could postpone elections. Well, other states, um, they've been questioning the same thing about primaries. Uh, Should we be holding primaries right now? And all the judges says, as a governor, you don't have the legal authority to cancel your primary or postpone it. And Ohio did it anyways. Did they really? They 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 postponed their freaking elections. And it's like you can get impeached for that, man. I don't know if you can impeach in governor or not, but you can get like that's a the judges hmm. said you can't legally do that. You broke the law <clears throat> by taking precedent, and like you have to change state law to do that to to adjust your election day. I don't know. It's crazy stuff though, uh, and it is it, it's another example at the extreme levels that government will end up taking to mitigate risk of something that uh, could all be handled in the private center, sector. Man. Wow. Could you imagine? <laughs> so to be fair, Trump I don't, I don't out. think, I don't think Trump, I don't think that would behoove him at all to do that. Maybe his second term, if he really wanted to go for a third, um, he would start a war with uh, uh, Iran or something. And then he would, it'd have to come from someone else. I mean, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. It is. It is. So I, just something interesting. I don't know. It's a crazy time. It's a crazy world. What do, you ba- think, what do you think of this? Oh, what do you say? Oh, I, I was gonna say ba- basically, I'm buying guns and ammo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, good luck. All it's all the- gone. Is it really? Yeah. Corona extra, man. Coronavirus extra. I've been meaning to look to see uh, how their company is doing in in sales. Let's see. I'll look it up real quick. What's your rating? You know, it smells funny. I haven't had Corona in oh, a long wait. time. Wait, don't they own by InBev? What's that? Corona brewed or known by InBev. I don't know anything about it. We got it just as a play on the virus. Uh, my Stein rating is a is a 
we can't do three quarters, so I'll do a three. Yeah, I'm going to the three. It's it's drinkable. It's palatable. It's kind of watery. So it was trading at eighty three. Is there a well? Is there a graph or a curve that shows over the last month of time? Yeah, the memes have been pretty good about it. We can find some memes to put up. If you go to the last six months, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) So it was trading at around ninety something, ninety one. In November, 80s, low 80s in January, and it closed today at 35. Oofta. Oh. So it's, yeah. Oh, those poor bastards. I wonder if that's typical of the entire beer market. Remedy Brewing, who we inter- or we reviewed their beer on one of our first episodes, uh, I was chatting with him today, um, and he said that the brewing companies like Miller Coors has just tanked. They used to ship thousands of kegs a week and they're down to like single digits. Yeah. And that's InBev. So that's Anheuser-Busch InBev. So, I mean, that's not just Corona beer. So I think, I think the beer market in uh, uh, total is suffering big oh, time yeah. because nobody's going out to buy beer at the yeah. bar. Their 52 week high was one Oh two seventy, and their, their 52 week low was today at 32, Which, there again, I know you're tired of hearing me talk about anti-state shit, but we've got, we've got breweries and, and small business companies that are making beer and they want to get it in the hands of people and people want to go get it. But social distance, they can't go outside their house. You can't deliver beer to people in their house. It's against state law. Coors is trying to do it. Probably yeah. can't do it in South Dakota though. Cause we have stupid, beer. but laws. they're probably trying to do it, but they're probably trying to change laws where, where they're going. And so I've reached out to remedy and I said, Hey, if you guys want to start a uh, black market, uh, <laughs> I'll deliver del- delivery industry. Like I'm, I'm in like I'm game. And people are like, Oh, we could temporarily remove regulation. What regulation solves or like helps this issue that you can't deliver? Like, what are we protecting that you can't deliver beer to homes? That makes no sense to me. And, Selling and in, beer to minors. Uh, there's lots of ways to protect against that, too. Yep. But lots, we can't figure out ways. how to have elections online. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm so mad about the state of affairs right now because the government has literally tied the arms of everybody. You know, businesses can't make money. Small business can't make money. Uh, and it's just it's just this complete destruction and it's all because of the state, you know, it's coronavirus and it's social distancing. And then on top of that, you've got added regulations on businesses that say, hey, you know, we'd love to innovate and do something good for our customers and help serve the market a little bit, which would keep everything flowing in a better way. Like they've got creative ideas to solve the problem. And everyone's like, sorry, we can't like we'd love to let you do this, but we can't because it's uh, because we made an arbitrary law 50 years ago that serves literally no purpose for anything. And uh, so, nope, you can't do it unless we change state law. But, oh, by the way, the state legislature is out of session. So, you know, you're screwed there, too. Wait till next year. You know, maybe it'll be fine next year. Thanks, government. Oof. Oof is right. This thing has got me pretty hot and bothered. Like, if you can't tell. I can tell. (laughs) And I didn't even get into it because I took a lot of CBD before I came here. (laughs) Because I needed to calm my shit down. Yesterday, I was hot and bothered. I I haven't slept. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been a rough go and I'm, and I'm fortunate enough that we have hand sanitizer in our business. So we're able to sell, uh, that it's kind of, it's become the lifeblood of our company, uh, at least temporarily. 
It's just, it's just, it's just wild. I can't even believe it. And technically, I shouldn't even. No, I'm not even gonna say it. It's done. It's we're gonna cut Josh off for us. It's, so. it's done and it's over. The, the state is, <laughs> is literally. I know this is rated R episode by this point, but the the state is literally just fucking everything over. It's done. Final answer. I can't even fathom what's going on right now. There you have it, folks. If you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> All right, guys. Three. Three Steins. Three Liberty Steins. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening to the America Beer Baseball Tyranny Podcast. You can find us online at beerbaseballtyranny.com and on Facebook and Twitter at ABBT Podcast. You can view videos of our episodes on our website and on YouTube, and you can listen to them on your favorite podcast listening platform. Our theme music is Not Drunk by The Joy Drops. Until next time, friends.